today on the Rita Made Me Do It show. And I mean, were there moments where I was like, damn, you know, it'd be really nice if Rita could come out here, sit on the couch with me, or if we could go get, go out to dinner somewhere, or if I didn't have to do all the cooking, cleaning and housework this week, which is a rare occurrence. But at the end of the day, we're in a partnership. And the partnership is everything we both do. It's not just the home life. It's not like when I go off to work, we're no longer partners. It's not like when you go off to one of your business conferences or something, we're not still partners. So we're partners in everything. And, you know, that is, that's my choice. And I chose you and I'm going to continue to choose you. And I just had to remember that. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. I am really, really excited and nervous about this interview. Um, In fact, to prepare for it, I listened to another podcast today um, called The Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard, where he interviewed his wife, Kristen Bell. And it's very fitting because I'm interviewing my husband today, Charles Goodrow. And just like Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, we were bickering before uh, this interview because I don't think Chuck really wants to do it, but I'm very happy that he's here. So Chuck, hello. Hello. I'm not totally undone with it. It seems interesting, just, you know. (laughs) So let me tell everybody why we're even here, why you're my guest, other than the fact that you've got when this this podcast is really about doing things unconventionally and and taking like the road that isn't usually traveled by the majority of society and so chuck is not an entrepreneur at all but his life is like not not according to script right his his life isn't according to script but the reason that we're really here is last year it, at the end of 2018 we made a decision to formally set goals as a couple, and we hopped on a Facebook Live, which to date is the most viewed Facebook Live video that I've ever done. And in fact, I just shared it again on my Facebook page, but my personal Facebook page and in the All In Entrepreneur Facebook group. But it's the most viewed, and it got the most response of almost anything I've ever done, where Chuck and I got on this Facebook Live We talked about why we had decided to set goals as a couple. We talked about the tool that we were using to set goals as a couple. And we talked about like what our goals were. And um, this is, it's been like almost a year. In fact, I think it's like in about uh, seven days. It's been an actual year. And we thought it was time to come back on and and do the big reveal of how it went when we formally set uh, goals as a couple. And then 
I realized it's a great time to ask him all of these questions that everybody has always asked me um, about Chuck and supporting me as an entrepreneur and how he felt when I became an entrepreneur and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, Chuck, I just want to get two things off the out of the way right before we start. Because I, I did ask our community and our friends and our family if they had any questions for you. Oh, Lord. So let's just <laughs> let's just get to so one, right? You have this tradition that you start you started, I I don't even remember when, like a couple of Christmases three years ago. Three years ago. Um with Thor. So my husband guys loves Thor. That's something we'll talk about later. But it has like a a doll. It's not a doll. It's like it's a, an action figure. Action, Okay, an action figure. It's an action figure of Thor. And instead of Elf on the Shelf, he does like Thor wherever he wants to be. And so that's a hashtag, y'all. Hashtag Thor wherever he wants to be. Look at my husband dropping the social media knowledge. It's like hashtag Thor wherever he wants to be, all one word. If you search that hashtag, you will find his photos. But instead of like the elf on the shelf that appears in random places, Thor appears in random places. So I can't believe that one of the number one questions I got was, how did that start? Chuck, how did you come up with the genius idea of Thor wherever he wants to be? You know, it's funny because I was thinking about that the other day when I started this year's and I've been a little slacker this year. I haven't had I've put out every day like I normally do. And I don't really recall the actual genesis of the idea. I just know that I was looking at all the elf on a shelf posts that come out and I was like, you know what? No, that's just not me. I, I wanted to do something like that because they were funny, especially the ones where like G.I. Joe is waterboarding the elf and the elf is naughty with the cookies and the Hershey's kisses. I'm sure everybody's seen that one. <laughs> but one, the elf is just damn creepy looking. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The elf is really creepy. And I mean, yes, we have an elf this year. So yes, we have an elf that Thor is <laughs> schooling this year. But I just it was something that I wanted to make mine and for a ton of reasons, as you mentioned, I like Thor because um, I have this super detailed action figure. So I was like, I can do this. You can do this. But here's what I'm going to say about you. Like, I think you do that with almost everything that becomes popular mainstream. It's like your initial reaction is like, no, uh-uh, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it my way. Is that true? Is that like your reaction to everything that becomes mainstream and popular? You're done with it. It's over for you. That sounds disturbingly hipster ass. <laughs> you're not a hipster. <laughs> you're, you're right. That that's why it's disturbing to me that it sounds But is that, that true? Way. It's um, true though. I don't do anything strictly because it's anti-popular and I don't write off anything strictly because it's popular. That said, I think doing things just because they're popular is remarkably sheep-like behavior. I don't have any use for sheep-like behavior or sheep. So I could see where it would certainly appear oh, that that's way. That's already already an unintentional great lesson for all of the entrepreneurs out there, guys. My husband like drops these lessons without even knowing it. Where I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there are following what other entrepreneurs do and they are saying, okay, well, that's the way other entrepreneurs are building their business. And so I have to build my business this way or this is what's working for everybody else. So this is what I should do. And then they struggle, right? They struggle with why isn't my business working? And it's because they're trying to follow all of these other ways. So one question that isn't even on the sheet that I'm going to ask you because, well, it's kind of on, on the sheet that I have in, in front of me. It's kind of, which is you really know yourself really well, I think. I, I mean, that's one thing I really envy about you is you know yourself inside and out. You know yourself 
really, really well. So you you're not tempted to follow other people. You're you know your way. You know what were you born like that? Like have you cultivated that? Because that's not normal to just like come out of the womb saying, yep, I give no Fs about what anybody thinks and I'm just gonna like do what I do and I know me so well that I know what that is. How have you gotten to this place of being like so confident and knowing you can do it your way? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs could benefit from knowing that. Well, there's a few places that comes from. One is faking it because I don't always know everything I want to do or know, or maybe appear, maybe I'm not quite as confident as I appear, but I know I will be. So I'll push through some uncomfortable things to get there. That, and I'm, I'm sure this comes up in the question somewhere later. Um, and to stop you from springing it on me later, I'll go ahead and jump there. Now it comes from my upbringing, which was pretty non-standard. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, I am the son of a genius raised by a con artist. Oh, I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, okay. I'm absolutely going to go there. And I'm equally proud of my father and my stepfather, both amazing men in their own yeah, right. I, and, I, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I just didn't know we were going to go there. So we'll go there. Well, we'll go there. That's a kind of a big part of who I am. And that, and then with my non-conventional upbringing, which I guess I can sh- save that for your reveal later. Maybe yeah, well, we're, we're going to, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. So, so because of your upbringing, you kind of feel really confident in who you are and to follow your, your own way. And I'm confident I don't have to follow the crowd to get where I want to be. Yeah. And I, what I liked about what you said Besides everything, because I love you. Um, <laughs> what I liked, I do. I lo- oh my gosh, really? You did not listen to the uh, the armchair expert where they were just like, I love you. And it's like, I love you too. You're supposed to be like, I love you. I think I've already reached my quotas of I love yeah, you today. But okay. okay, I love okay. you too. Um, so, um, but you said, you know, you fake it. And I don't believe in like faking stuff and pretending, but you weren't really because you said, I know I'll be there. Like, I'm certain that I'm going to know this. I'm certain that I'm going to be successful at it. I'm certain that it's going to work out. I'm certain that I, and therefore I, it's not faking it to me. It's kind of just pushing through the discomfort that you feel to get to the place where you, you know it, or you feel certain. And I think that that's like a very important lesson, right? I think there's a difference between faking it and then knowing it's going to happen and just having to work through something to get there. Well, you can't fake it till you make it if you're not going to make it. Very, there you go, guys. So the, the next question that I got uh, from, and this is fitting because I pair a lot of my solo episodes with, as you know, like I'll pair it with a, a wine or a coffee every mm. now and then a bourbon, right? Um, and so I'm a bourbon gal. This is just one of the many differences you're going to learn about me and my husband because we have nothing in common. My husband and I, we're just totally different people. And I drink bourbon. And he drinks whiskey. So a question that I got, though, was any whiskey, my husband believes that any whiskey that is not spilled with the E, so if it's just spelled W-H-I-S-K-Y and not E-Y, that it's not really a whiskey. And as a bourbon drinker, I ask you, where exactly did this close-minded and judgmental opinion come from, Chuck? Okay. So let me clarify, first off, for those who might not know the spelling difference, it's all about Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it, I know the fact that I prefer Irish whiskey to any other distilled liquor will come as a shock when the reveal about my upbringing. That's comes true. That's true. But I, I still like that too. But Irish whiskey, for whatever reason, maybe that I, because I do have some Irish blood way back somewhere, although I doubt that has anything to do with it, was one of the first distilled spirits that I actually enjoyed drinking. One of, not the first. 
And I found it to be the perfect balance of bite and sometimes a little smoky, a little oaky, but never sweet, never cloying. And I've tried pretty much every distilled liquor there is, and I continue to keep my palate open and try different things, even when I don't like them or I know they won't be good because they're bourbon. <laughs> so, okay. So I like that you sounded open-minded until the very end where you were totally closed-minded, but that's okay. I love you. I'm not I closed-minded. Know. I acknowledge people have inferior taste <laughs> to mine and drink bourbon. So, um, guys, like, I, I'm just going to – my husband has been uh, – uh, batting around the idea of starting a whiskey and cigar podcast. And so if you know anyone who might be interested in listening to that, like that to me was an audition right there. So please email me at feedback at readamemedoit.com and say, I would totally listen. Okay. Well, really, it's not just about cigars and whiskey. I've been refining that idea. It's basically me and maybe some of my boys sitting around talking about Honestly, whatever we want, throwing around unpopular opinions, throwing around our popular opinions, and while smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, and we'll tell you what we're smoking and drinking. Yeah, I like, I like, I really but, am a big fan. No. You know, I'm a big fan of this I- idea. I can't be your business coach because I, I can't be your business coach, but I would really love for you to do this. So if that interests you guys, let me know. And I feel like that was his audition. So let me tell you a little bit about this untraditional, non conventional upbringing um, that my husband was hinting at earlier. So he grew up on a boat. He was homeschooled. I'm on a boat. On a boat. He was homeschooled on a boat in the Caribbean, like sailing around the Caribbean. Um, what I gather was his mother and his stepfather one day kind of drove, and you can correct me after I'm done telling the story, but um, drove down to Florida and decided they were like going to buy a hotel or they were going to do something, but they decided mm-hmm. to buy a boat instead. And then they came back up to New York and they picked up Chuck and his two sisters Mm-mm. and hold on. Let me finish and then you can correct me. I mean, this is my version of the story. And then put them on a boat and they just like started sailing around the Caribbean. So how did you end up and how old were you when you ended up getting on this boat and being homeschooled from a boat? Okay. Well, first off, your version of my story, like your taste in liquor, is so close, but not quite right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yes, my mother and stepfather drove down to Florida to buy a hotel, ended up buying a boat. Eventually, they actually looked at three. I learned that part relatively recently myself. Mm. I was two years old, and I was in the back of the car. I was asleep in the back of the car when we drove down to oh, Florida. Okay. Um, now, so obviously, what I say is hearsay because I was two years old. I don't have memories from two yeah, years right. Old. Yeah, this is all your memory. four, five, six, absolutely. Not a two, even I'm not. Well, yeah, yeah. So this is all all your mom and and telling the story. Yeah, we bought a boat. boat And you did live on the boat with your two sisters. Yes, I lived on the boat with my two sisters. We got to the Bahamas, and it was interestingly and interesting enough. But as we each entered our teen years, we all decided to move back to the states for can pursue a more quote unquote conventional life. Right. So you all left the boat around high school to go live with your dad. And uh, and have that more conventional, conventional life. But tell me a little bit about, um, you know, growing. Not only were you homeschooled on a boat sailing around the Caribbean, but like you weren't just docked somewhere. You guys really did just go everywhere. Right. Well, if you start in Florida and you go down through the Caribbean, down to Trinidad and Tobago. Every island before you hit Trinidad, we went to. Now, some we spent more time at than others. I am 
so I was six months away from being a dual citizen and getting citizenship in the Isle of Antigua where we were there for their independence in 83. I think that was, that was fun. But yeah, I mean, we went through all of them doing charters, doing moving cargo, um, and just generally living, living life. life. Now you said your quote at the beginning, right? And it had the phrase con artist in it. And so why don't you explain to people what you mean by all of this? Well, I mean, that that's a, that, that term generally has an extreme negative connotation to people. Um, and that that's not strictly speaking accurate, but it conveys a degree of street smarts and an ability with people in the world. And that was probably my, my stepfather's greatest skill was his ability to know what people wanted, what they would give for it and how to get it or something close enough to it with minimal effort. He could read people very well. I think you, very I think you well. picked that up. Uh, from him. So you were living this unconventional life with your mom and your stepdad sailing around. And then your dad had a very conventional life. Like he had a conventional job and he was living the the conventional. So how do you feel that your time on the boat, right? And live like, how did that impact who you are today? What did that do for you to make you the person that you are like, kind of just not, you didn't even grow up in the traditional schooling. You didn't grow up in the traditional kind of society and how friends interact with friends. So A, how did it impact you as an adult? But then what was the transition like coming from that non-conventional kind of living into the conventional world of high school? Well, right. Interestingly enough, it wasn't so different for me because I was coming up and spending summers in New York with my dad and, and my sisters once they moved back up there. Um, so there was a, a, I had a foot in the door, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that I think I carried forward from that, from growing up in the Caribbean is it's okay to be weird because I was definitely the weird kid when I came back to high school. I didn't know social norms. I didn't know that I shouldn't hang out with jocks, geeks, and nerds. Yeah, like you I, I yeah. didn't know that I was supposed to care what people thought because I never had. Right, that you couldn't grow up in the stereotypes. You didn't grow up with the cliques and the the knowing this is this kind of group and this group doesn't associate right. with this. I grew up with people. people. You deal with people. Yeah. people. You know, yes, some groups have characteristics, but each person is an individual and you really need to evaluate them that But way. did you really not, I mean, did you really never have a moment? I mean, you had to have had such an extreme reaction to you coming into, first coming into high school without having grown up with anyone. So you were the new kid, right? And then on top of it, you had this untraditional background and you didn't know societal norms you didn't know all of this stuff so there you were just kind of doing your thing that must have had an extreme reaction did you really not have an impact it you really didn't care at all oh i mean I, there are moments i cared like you know sometimes i'd make a huge blunder like i didn't know how to flirt or anything and apparently that was a thing you were supposed to do in high school you know whatever so i messed that up a couple times but you make your mistakes you laugh at them. You get really annoyed that other people don't laugh. That they try to judge you forever on them, and you just move on. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's another little nugget: entrepreneurs, I mean, right? Like, I mean, that's so true. Right? Why? Why do you maybe th- skip the really annoyed part? But why do you, you think know. that's so hard for people to do? To just say, "Oh, I failed. Okay, I made a mistake. I'm just gonna learn from it, laugh it off, and move on." Why do you think people have a really hard? Because people do. They have a. I mean, I don't know if you know this. People have a really hard time doing that. So why do you think mm-hmm. that is? Fear of 
um, people feel like they're going to be judged if they fail, that it's, it, you know, I think failure is just a bad word overall. Um, everybody sees that as a dirty word. That's really the F word, right? I mean, the other one is whatever. But uh, heck, I'm pretty sure I heard the other one on primetime TV not too long ago. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But people do. People are just brought up to fear failure and to feel like, you know, they were going to be judged by everyone else because, of course, everyone else succeeds every time out of the gate. Now, that's a load of horse shit. But that's what people want to project. Yeah. You know, that's the bad kind of faking it. Never admitting you failed, never learning from them. Yeah. If you could just take the stigma away from the word failure or change your perspective on it to what it really is, which is just learning and just growing, then I think people would have such a different experience with it. Now, right. now let's hmm. keep talking about unconventional Chuck because you also did not go to college, which I'll, I will say is a surprise for me that I ended up marrying somebody who didn't go to and graduate from college, right? Like I, and this is something that as a dating coach, I changed my mind on and I, I coach my clients very differently about. But when we were going to school, because you're just a few years older than me. So when we were going to high school and we did not go to high school, I did not know Ch Chuck until, but in the years that we were going to high school, I mean, the norm was graduate high school, go to college. And like, if you didn't go to college, you were judged by your family. You were judged by your peers. You were, ju you were just judged by society. Like, that's what you were supposed to do. Finish high school, go to a college, right? So mm -hmm. you didn't, you didn't do that. You didn't follow that path. What was, what was your reasoning? That's that? not entirely accurate. Okay. The not graduated part is accurate. And I sort of went to, sort college. Of went to college. So my plan, my plot was even less was um, apparently coming out of high school was even less conventional um, because when I came out of high school with an advanced studies diploma with a governor's seal and all kinds of things. So college really did seem like a you know natural progression. I enlisted in the Virginia army national guard. So I spent my high school, you know, my, my graduation summer at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and then Fort Augusta, Georgia, and a couple other places. And that kind of changes you. And in some ways, I often say that boot camp is probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on that later because it's not like you think. But I came back and, you know, my dad, both of my sisters, highly educated individuals. My dad had a degree in advanced mathematics before computers were a thing. I mean, if you're using a PC, he had something to do with that way back in the day. So, um, but it just really wasn't my thing. So I tried it. I, what I did is I enrolled in community college. I had a whole map out plan because that's what you did. You made a plan. I was going to go to community college here in Northern Virginia, and I was going to get my associate's degree, um, and then I was going to transfer to NYU, and I was going to pursue a degree in psychology of all things. And even into the PhD program, I mean, I had it mapped out, right? I was going to be Dr. Chuck. Yeah. And then what happened? Well, a few things happened. One, I mean, college was great. I loved college because results were all that mattered. They didn't care if I was in class even. If I did the work, I turned in the assignments, the labs and stuff, and I took the tests. That was all they needed, which is exactly how I need to work. Mm -hmm. I need, you know, that we care about the results. That, that was awesome to me. So I loved that. And so that was good. But then a few things happened. One, I realized I don't really like people as a whole. Uh, I'm kind of misanthropic. I had to realize I just don't think that. that's true. I think that's such a terrible statement, right? I think I don't like people. That sounds so mean. I like some individuals. I have some really good friends and I can be friendly to anybody, but as a whole, I don't like people. Okay. 
I think it goes back to my dislike of, of sheep-like behavior. Okay. Okay. I mean, I am not a nice guy. I acknowledge oh my this. Gosh. You knew that the first night Oh, we my met. gosh. Guys, my husband is the sweetest man in the whole wide world. This is what I'm talking about. Like, you put up this front of, like, I'm not a nice guy. I don't like people. Yet you meet people and you like them right away until they give you a reason not to like them. Which they inevitably and, do, uh, and you're you're so open, and you're well. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to this when we get to the differences of us, right? But you just kind of decided college wasn't for you, and again, you weren't worried about what other people thought about you by no, not going to college, right? So you ended up going right into into what? Right into work? Right into marriage? Because you also got married very not, young. not to right me, guys. Work. Like I'm talking about to his first. He had a, a wife before before Rita, and you got married pretty young. Yes. Uh, relatively. I mean, that was 96. So what was I? I was uh, 20. Like three years out of high school. Yeah. Right? That's pretty. Five years out of five years out of high school. Oh, yeah. Okay. So like 96, 97. Pardon me if I don't remember my first wedding anniversary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's but, okay. Uh, and, and like you were weird back then too because you had like a Ren fair style like wedding. And so you were always just. I was poor. You were, you were poor. Well, because. I was poor. You didn't go to college. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe, maybe there's actually a conversation I have with a friend of mine about that, but yes, I'm from community college. I actually spent almost two years in and out of community college, but again, I said a couple of things happened. One, I discovered that maybe I didn't want to work with people all the time. Can you accept that rather than me saying I dislike yes, people? I will accept, um, I will accept that answer. And frankly, my father passed away. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Now, my education, if I wanted to pursue it, still would have been paid for. So it wasn't that, oh, well, he would have gone and done the conventional thing, but his dad died and he couldn't pay for it. No, that paying for schooling was- Yeah, that was taken care of. I was blessed. Yeah. I mean, it was not a problem for my family. Yeah. So, but it was just a choice at that point. I'm like, no. I mean, and also I think that part of the reason I was in college was it was his expectation. And you don't disappoint that. So, so- I guess a question I want to ask is like this carefree, laissez-faire, I don't really care what other people think. I'm going to do my thing. I'm just going to do what I want and and just, you know, go with the flow and and not even really think ahead that much. Just kind of think to the next thing that I, I want a little bit. Like, how do you think that that's both helped you and hurt you? Surprised you didn't ask exactly where it came from, but that's okay. Well, I mean, I'm assuming. I think we kind of yeah, covered that a little bit. Yeah, I'm assuming it came bit. from the Caribbean carefree. Part of it, part of it, also comes from liking Thor. Actually. Oh, do we have to talk about Thor on the podcast? Okay, fine. No, no, we, we don't. do. We're just no. going to talk about the we fact do. that that gave me an interest in Norse mythology, okay. which gave me an interest in Viking culture. And Viking culture was, you know, what it's going to end exactly when it does. Nothing you can do is going to change that. So I took that a little differently because that could make a lot of people fatalistic. And to me, it just meant that things are going to go like they're supposed to. Yeah. And as long as I'm taking care of me and mine. Okay. So we're, we're in agreement on part of that statement. Okay. So I'm in agreement that things are going to go the way that they're supposed to. So like as an, when you, I mean, you might've heard me tell many people this, right? I'm a big believer that life rewards action. And so, and life is always putting you where you need to be. So as long as you take action, that action is rewarded and it will put you exactly where you need to be for 
the next action, right? Like for the next thing that comes along. And so you can kind of detach from like the like you said, like when you planned out your path for college and a lot of entrepreneurs are doing this for their business, right? Like it's got to look this way. I take this right turn. I take this left turn. It goes this way. This is what it's going to do. This is where it's going to end me up. This is what it's going to look like. And when things start deviating from that script, when things start popping up that don't look like that, they kind of you know, that's where they lose their confidence. They freak out. They start shutting down. They stop taking action. They stop doing this stuff because they really believe like if it, I have to control the situation. And if it doesn't happen exactly like this, I'm failing, right? We go back to that word. I'm failing. I'm not working the way that I'm supposed to. But I do believe that life rewards action. Life puts you where you need to be. So whatever the result is of an action, is what was supposed to happen. So I'm in agreement on that piece. Right. I mean, life put you in that bar. Yeah. So we met in a bar, everybody. So Chuck and I met in a bar. Um, we were there. I was with friends and he was with friends. And there's like a, it was a green turtle in Fairfax, which I don't even think is open anymore in Fairfax. Virginia. It's not. And, um, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I know why. He was cute. He was, he was really cute. And back then, right, back then, um, I had just come out of my 35 dates in 35 days. Not just, but I, I mean, I had gone through that. So I had like a new appreciation. I was a- attracted to, you know, like the good guys. And so I actually was attracted to Chuck. And I went up to him at the bar to be my normal, like energetic, like, hi, self. And he was not in the mood for it. He didn't want to have um, anything to do with it. And he just kind of shut that down right away. But then through friends, we kept talking and, you know, obviously we're we're here in front of you today, like doing this. But um, yes, so I, I do believe that everything puts you right where you need to be. And that's where you can, there really is no failure, right? If you take action, whatever happens as a result of that action is putting you where you need to be. And so you can really never fail, right in that way like you, you just can't like you're always you're always ending up where you need to be you're going to accomplish something it might not be what you set out to well accomplish. yeah you have to detach from that right like that's another yeah mm-hmm. that's a whole thing so but but right so that's how it's helped you in that you're able to really believe hey i can just do things because it's going to put me where i need to be and that but do you think it's hurt you in any way too like this whole kind of like i'm just going to do what i want i just don't care what other people think and i'm going to has it caused you to make like, are there any decisions, anything where you're like, what if I had done it differently? Like, have you ever thought that? Like, what if I had done it differently? What if, you know, what if? Have you ever spent any time having that what if kind of, um, you know, spiral? The the Once. Okay. Once. Right. Was it good or bad? What if I had stayed in the Caribbean? Okay, yeah. What if you hadn't come home to live with your dad? Yeah. And I move past that pretty quickly because if I stayed in the Caribbean one, I wouldn't have met and married this wonderful woman that I'm currently married to. Oh, I love you. Uh, <laughs> mm, love you. You'll keep saying that. <laughs> um, well, we haven't gotten to our goals yet. So, you know, who knows where we'll end up after that. But yeah, yeah. so like you've thought it, but it would change it, the butterfly effect, right? It would change it. One change changes. Oh, this is more like a landslide because a lot of the things would have changed. And yes, granted, maybe if I had gone to college and, traditionally and applied myself and done what I could have been capable of. I mean, okay. So you know what? I actually just remembered another what if moment I had at one point. Um, I told you all I enlisted in Virginia army national guard, which is a reserve component. Um, I enlisted on December 7th, 1991 and went to boot camp and all of that. While I was in boot camp, one of my fellow soldiers washed out for reasons and I was offered the chance to take his slot. He was full-time army 
going to the same combo school I was because I was going to be communications. You know, my sisters like to call me Radar. And um, after that, he had a shot at Ranger School, you know, U.S. Army Rangers. And I had always had a let, let's try to keep this uh, iTunes friendly level of affection for the U.S. Army Rangers. Um, I just thought they were the biggest badasses on the planet. So when this came to me, I was like, oh, wow. Um, I should absolutely, no, no, can't do it. Doesn't fit plan. You know, doesn't, I have a girlfriend back home that I wanted to get back to. And there's just a lot of reasons. And I thought about it and I decided not to. And occasionally I wonder, you know, what if, especially a couple of years ago when I realized that if I'd stayed in the army full time, I would be retired. So, you know. Yeah. That that yeah. but that's about that that really more than what if I stayed on the boat because I know the answer to well, that. Well, and so if you met yourself, like if you met sixteen-year-old Chuck now, right? If you, I would run away in the opposite. <laughs> no, but what would you tell him if you met your sixteen-year-olds mm-hmm. of now? What would you What would you say to him? Um, I might leave him a note somewhere that says to buy Google, Microsoft, and Apple, <laughs> but. I don't even know that might change things beyond that because you know, then I'd be like rich. Yeah. But, uh, and I really think that some of my struggles, um, coming out of high, of college when I, you know, didn't, it failed to graduate there. I failed, but I learned from it. Um, gave me a real sense of who I am. Um, it also made me a little more of a butthole because I know what I had to do and what I was willing to do. And what I did to pull myself up. Did you really just say and butthole? Was, Is that a word you just said? Butthole? I didn't think you wanted me to say asshole. <laughs> well, there you go. You just said it. So I just, I was like, are we five? I don't, I know. It's okay. It's totally bad. But I, I get what you're saying, right? You're, you, what you're saying is all the struggles, all the, ch- everything has made you who you are. And right. it's easy to connect the dots going backwards, right? I say that in almost every episode. It's very hard to connect them going forwards. It's easy to connect them. You know, oh, yeah. It's much easier to see where you've been than where you're but going. But if you hear that, right, a million times said by a million different people, if you can get your mind to really embrace, okay, everything, even things that feel negative, even things that look negative, even things that are a challenge and are a struggle, they're working in my favor, right? Which is why one of my favorite mantras, I think you know, is I always get what I want or I get better than what I want. Because if I don't get what I want, then whatever I got has to be better than what I wanted, even if that feels like a struggle, even if that feels like a challenge. It doesn't mean that I'm happy and I'm like, oh boy, I didn't get what I wanted and this is so terrible and everything just feels awful right now. But I'm just like laughing and smiling. It's like, no, but I really do have this belief right inside that yes, like this is this feels bad, but this is really gonna put me somewhere. This is gonna do something for me that I couldn't anticipate, right? So let's talk about like that first, not, I don't wanna talk about your first marriage. I just wanna talk about you, you obviously had a first marriage it ended um we met and we're married right it wasn't exactly back to back like that not really back to back like that but uh like you had an idea that you were never going to get married again like i know that that when i when we kind of met you you really were never thinking you were going to get married again so one question that i have for you is how have your views on marriage changed since your first marriage i'm kind of they haven't i'm still never getting married again (laughs) okay 
Yes. Okay, thank you. I get, oh my gosh, guys. See, you see what I have to, you see what I put up with all the time? You know what I'm trying to ask you, right? Like between marriage one and marriage two, how did your views on marriage change? This is a personal question that I'm asking. Well, I mean, obviously I came to be okay with the idea one more time. Yes, you did. Right. But I did mostly because no one in my family gets it right the first time. Okay. Is that like there's another lesson, guys? It's okay to not get it right the first time, right? Because the next time can be like even better. Is it, would you say that some of you learned lessons during the first marriage that helped you make this marriage like? But, I mean, we've been together five years, so it's pretty pretty yeah. successful so far, right? Um, we, so far, so, so far, good. so good. So, um, would you? And you're on this podcast, so we're still gonna. I love you. We're still gonna stay. Oh, I had a choice. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> no, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but right. Like, would you say that you had that you took lessons from that first marriage that has helped our marriage? We've never really talked about that. So, and you don't have to share um, them. I'm just curious if it's like. If it was conscious, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, like, because when entrepreneurs, for, exa- for example, right, when they fail, sometimes they don't take, they don't even tweak it. They don't take the lessons learned. They don't go back out. They don't like try to get, they're just like, that didn't work. So I'm never going to do that again, right? That didn't go well. So that whole thing must be bad and I'm never going to do it again. Whereas if you kind of say, wait, maybe the whole thing wasn't bad. Maybe there were aspects that I just need to tweak and change, right? So I, but people, it's very hard for people to do that intentionally. And so I'm just kind of curious if that's the way you think. Oh, were there lessons? <laughs> yes. Mostly roundabout. It, it may have been that I gave in to some expectations and I settled a little. Okay. So I'm going to assume you didn't settle with me. And here's why, right? Because we are really, really different. I mean, when I say that Chuck and I are different, it's, I've never met two people that are so different that yet are so compatible. It's real. I think it's weird. I think it's like, I don't know. I think it's an enigma that we are, maybe we're an enigma, not you. We are an enigma in that we are so freaking different, yet we are so compatible. But like I'm goal oriented. And it's not that you don't like goals or have goals, but like you're not like me. You're not like, I need goals. I need to fill out my power sheets book. I need to check off all the things. I need to do the things and reach these goals. Like you love gaming. You love like role play gaming. I mean, like we're talking board games, guys. <laughs> we're talking like like computer games and board games and things like that, right? Like, but I'm not a gamer at all. I didn't grow up in that world, right? I am a total extra. Like you said, you're an, an introvert. You don't even like being around people. You don't even like going out, right? And doing some stuff sometimes. Like I, I actually really like getting attention. And you kind of want to blend into, into the background. I would say I'm a rule follower. I am a little more, even though, it, well, maybe I say that. Maybe you'll have a different take on me because I always say I'm a rule follower. That's the way I grew up. And I, kind of, but yeah, I really haven't followed the rules. I didn't follow the rules in terms of like what I'm doing with my job now or how I'm building my business or even marrying you or a a bunch of stuff like that. But like, so why, why do you think we work so well being so different? Mostly because opposites attract. I mean, that's a simple answer. There are things that, of course, it's a simple answer. I'm a simple guy. There's another difference. I'm definitely not. uh, A lot of it's because you do things that I don't, and that's good because you feel you've. Oh wow, this could sound really cheesy. Um, I'm not <laughs> going to say it that way. Well, now I want um, to know. You fill in oh. the spots that I don't. You tick the boxes I don't. I complete, Fine, you, complete you. Me. Oh, we just had a Jerry Maguire moment right here on the Read and Mimi Do It show. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm glad it was with you and. <laughs> And nobody else. I'm glad it wasn't another guest that told me that. 
Well, you sure didn't have me at yeah, hello. I did though, not I'll have you at that. hello. That is for sure. That was a different podcast. That's your podcast. When I'm smoking a cigar and drinking whiskey with you one day, like we'll talk about that. But um, so we we get married. We get married in twenty in April of 2014, and it's in June of 2014 that I come home and I you say so. Here's like the story, right? So I for people like go back and listen to episode one on how I transitioned from the life of a lawyer to being a dating coach to being where I am now, right? Which is working basically as a, a business strategist and a business coach for the past five, you know, five years, really. But um, in 2014, I, I we got married April 2014. And then on June, in June of 2014, I came home and you said, how was work? And I was like, well, funny thing, I'm a dating coach now, right? Because I had quit my job and I was like, I'm a, I'm a dating coach now. And the way that I tell the story is very simplistic. I say, I came home, I said, I'm a dating coach now. And, and it's something I've been doing part-time on the side. So it wasn't like a total shock to you. It was not a total shock that I was, that date coaching would be something, but I was like, this is what I do now. And your reaction was basically cool you have three months to like make some money doing that because we just got married and we didn't plan for this and this isn't something that we plan for. And if not, you can still do this. I just need you to go back and and make some money as a lawyer, right? So that's the way that that I tell the story. But I'm kind of like, really, what were your real thoughts behind it all? And I'm not saying those weren't your real thoughts. I'm just curious. Like, Oh, no, they weren't. Okay, so what were your real thoughts behind it? When, when A, I said that, and then like as of Monday, you saw that I was – because that was a Friday. And then as of Monday, you saw that I was serious. <laughs> like I really was trying to be a dating coach, and I was really trying to build build my business. I mean, at that point, I already knew you well enough to know that – I. You were going to do it because you had to. And that that's a lot of probably the simplest way I know how to describe Rita is you do what you have to or what you put your mind to. You just do. And I just really knew that was going to happen because you said so. Now, was I a little worried? Yeah. And I entertained the thought of, well, dang, son, you thought you married a lawyer and we're going to be on the money train. Of course, well. I don't know how much you talk about money. I mean, here, we like to talk about money on the Rita Made Me Do It show. Yeah. We like talking about yeah. The Turns out business coaches can do better. <laughs> business coaches can do better than than lawyers in a lot of situations. And you're not away 90 hours a week. That's minimum. true. That's true. So what? So I was concerned. I was a little disheartened. Disheartened. Well, you didn't ah, show it. You didn't, you didn't show it to no. me. Well, there was nothing to be gained by showing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it would have freaked me out. Yeah, it would have freaked me out even more, right? So, so, so one question that I got from people when I said, "Hey, what what should I ask? What what would you like me to ask my husband?" This question came up, which is, "What kind of shift did Chuck?" This is the exact question from uh, from from Lisa Nichols, who owns a company called uh, Tira Strategies. She says, "What kind of shift did Chuck have to make in his mindset to embrace your entrepreneurship and to really feel, you know, okay with it?" Well, I guess probably the biggest shift was in the very beginning. I had to step back to second fiddle. I could not be the most important thing for a little while because you had to focus on your business and building that and getting us to where we are now. So I guess that would have to be the biggest thing is being able to put, you know, I had to, my biggest shift was I had to put my, my ego aside and accept that for a while, you know, you had to focus on something other than me and I had to be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, was that hard to do? 
No. Have you like I know you know I struggle because, with I, I struggled mean, with guilt back then and I still do now when I deep dive into areas about you know the fact that it wasn't at, I'm not as accessible as I was as an attorney necessarily right in terms of of our ability to just like get up and go or you the, I have a lot of different not stresses that's not the right word but I have a lot of different hats that I wear now that I didn't have to wear then and that does sometimes put put a feeling of guilt on me that over time over the years I think we've worked we've worked through that but I am curious like if you ever felt like man like I did not sign up for this this is this is you know like this isn't this isn't the marriage that I wanted to to have. Or if you did feel like that, how did you get through moments? Or if you never felt like that, why did you? Because so, that's something that I think I know from people in my community have said, like, when I became an entrepreneur, my spouse came up to me and said, I didn't sign on for this. This is not what I signed on for. I'm not ready to kind of be, they call it an entrepreneur widow. <sighs> an entrepreneur widow is what they call it, right? And they're like, I didn't right. sign up for that. I really still want our marriage to be, a priority. And one thing I'll say is it's not that I didn't want our marriage to be a priority. I just don't know that when you're starting a business at the beginning, it it can be right away, oh, my everything is just balanced or my marriage. I think by, I don't know how to say, it, I think by prioritizing my business, I was prioritizing my marriage, which is what was going on in my head. But I, I don't know. That's just a lot of of rambling to ask you, right? The question of like, what were there how did you get through any moments of like wow this is not like a marriage marriage that i was thinking about well one you promised to retire me to owning my own bar in key west yeah, that if helps it's not underwater but yes yes or whatever somewhere yeah. equivalent um and that that's the flip answer the real answer is that well one they're called wedding vows they're not called arrangement of convenience mm-hmm. and if I said it, I meant it. I don't say what I don't mean. And honestly, I wish more people would do that. And I mean, were there moments where I was like, damn, you know, it'd be really nice if Rita could come out here, sit on the couch with me, or if we could go get, go out to dinner somewhere, or if I didn't have to do all the cooking, cleaning and housework this week, which is a rare occurrence. But at the end of the day, we're in a partnership. And the partnership is everything we both do. It's not just the home life. It's not like when I go off to work, we're no longer partners. It's not like when you go off to one of your business conferences or something, we're not still partners. Yeah. So we're partners in everything. And, you know, that is, that's my choice. And I chose you and I'm going to continue to choose you. And I just had to remember that. And the bar and key. I appreciate that. Um. And I think that that's important. And I think that 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 brings us kind of to. I mean, th- there are a lot more questions that I have around lessons learned from Chuck, and I'm I'm going to get to those. But this is going to be this is probably going to be my longest podcast interview like that I've ever done. But I think it's good. I think it's important that people hear this. But um, the the one thing is the partnership thing, right? I think that I've always looped you in as a partner in my business, and that we set goals together. And the goals for my business included, right? Like, so my question is, do you actually feel like a partner in my business? Do you feel like this is happening to you? Do you feel like you're a part of it? Do you feel like I loop you in? Do you feel like that's why you've been able to be, because it, 
I think we fit my business into us and like what we're doing and our visions together. And it doesn't feel like this separate thing, but it feels like a part. So you you don't work for me. You, in fact, you've said hell no. You're net. I keep saying let's retire you, and you can work for my company. And you're like no. But I think that in a way, right? You are my partner in this business. Would you agree? I mean, I definitely know everything about it, and I, I have offered my opinion on some things that I'm very shocked when it actually happens or is you know done that way. I am. Honestly, I'm every bit as much of a partner as I want to be, and I much prefer to be in the back holding you up. That That's my role in this partnership as far as your business goes okay. in my mind. Okay. I mean, I appreciate that. Um, so one question that I did get from somebody is, what do you think my biggest lesson has been since starting my business? Like, what is, from your point of view, because you do know so much about my business and we are so open about everything, like, since the day I started my business till now, what do you think my biggest lesson and, like, change has been from becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, sometimes you have to take care of yourself too. But do you think, I mean, you think that I um, embrace that? Like I have, I mean, I hope I have, right? Like I just, yeah. Right. I think that at first you didn't. I think you, at first you were terrified to take any time yeah, for true. you. Um, You could justify time for us because. Because it wasn't really for me in my head. It was for you. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but you've, you have learned and taken there. I think that is, honestly, I think even as an attorney and in your previous lives, you weren't good at taking time for you. So I really think that you have learned that most of all through this whole entrepreneurial Yeah, I, I see that. At the beginning, I definitely was really, I had the, the corporate America attorney mindset around time off. And then I saw how important it was. What other, what other changes or shifts have you seen in me since I became an entrepreneur, like personally or- You smile a lot more. I do? You're a lot happier. Aww. When you your last attorney job, you never came home smiling. Yeah, no. Ever. 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 Never. No. I, I mean, I remember that now. I don't think I knew it so much then. But yes, like, yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't. So I'm happier. Do you see any other changes in me, like, as a business owner or anything over the course of time? I'm just curious from an outsider Well, I mean, you've been evolving as a business owner. So you, you went from, you know... And every entrepreneur starts there. You were a hobbyist at first because that's what you're doing. You said you even said you were date coaching part time while you were working, yeah. and that was fine. But when you had to jump in, I mean, you kind of damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. You just did what you know. You just jumped in. Yeah, that has always been my thing. It's just kind of like I just do what needs yeah. to be done, right? And I think probably relating back to the taking time for yourself and everything, your time management, your time budgeting has even in your personal life, when I've seen has gotten a lot better through this. Yeah, I would, um, yes. Yes. Amen to that. Right. So, and I, and we'll talk about that in a future podcast episode about how I've been able to do that. Cause I know that that's a question many people have. Um, where, I'm curious, this question came up and it's an interesting question. Where does Chuck think that you're not really fully like transparent in your business or owning something to your community or your audience? Is there something that we would be interested in knowing or we should know more about that you don't disclose or talk about a lot from your perspective, Chuck? So I'm curious, or do you think I'm pretty transparent and open about everything? I think you're pretty transparent, uh, more so than most, in my opinion. I mean, are there things that you don't share? I, I certainly hope so. Well, yeah, I don't share. Um, but you know, you from just from what I've seen, and yes, I'm members of all the groups and everything. Um, 
your audience sees, you know, yes, you celebrate your successes. You also share your shortfalls or something, you know, didn't happen just so. Yeah. Because yeah. Yes. Maybe not as much, but more than most. No, I do. I mean, I really think I share them openly. I just, I'm wondering if there are any that I'm not seeing. So like that brings me to another question somebody asked, which is what do you wish Rita did more of or less of? Putting laundry away, maybe? Putting laundry away. I hate putting laundry. I hate So do laundry. I. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's There's a couple areas, y'all, where Rita and I are exactly identical. We <laughs> both have no problem doing laundry. Yeah, we hate putting it away. Right? Both hate putting it away. We, we both have no problem loading the dishwasher. We hate unloading it for some reason. We both hate unloading it. Um, yeah, they're right. Like, when, when, And we talked about that in our video in 2018 with goals. Like, when it comes to chores, like we, the problem that we were having, the bickering we would do, the was because we sat, we didn't know why until we sat down and realized it wasn't that we both weren't okay with doing chores or doing things around the house. It was that we actually realized we dislike the same exact pieces of doing a lot of the chores, right? But we nav we navigated. We navigated around that. Right. That's one of the goals that we did keep as relevant yeah. and moved through. Yeah, we did. And I guess we could address some of that now. That was a nice lead in, actually. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pop there and then I'll, I'll go back because there were some other good questions there. But let's talk about the goals. So, like, we have, right, these 2018 goals um, that a whole, book, a of whole them. book of them. So, Power, you know, the company that I, I'm an affiliate for, Cultivate What Matters, they create power sheets, the goal setting guide that I'm always talking about. They have a lot of like little tiny supplemental goals goal guides and one of their supplemental goal guides and I'll put a link to it in the show notes is um the series for couples and it's a really great book I mean it's a very comprehensive book for a little book and so just to give you a quick insight like it has a part where Chuck and I have to spend some real quality time filling out things all about us or what matters to us and what's really going well and what do we want to have grow better and even what our love languages are and kind of we each set a personal goal and say how can we we support each other in that. And it takes you through, I mean, it's really great. You write notes to each other, all of this stuff, all the way to setting three goals as a couple. And so our chore goal was not, that wasn't a goal. That was something we uncovered in like kind of what I'll call the pre-work of getting to the three goals. But what, what's surprising for Rita, high achiever Rita, <laughs> is, and, and who keeps every business goal and everything in mind and in front of her and like, checklists and all kinds of stuff and is just like kicking ass in my business, right? I'm just going to toot my own horn here for a minute. Like I'm really doing, and it's because of power sheets, right? I did not treat this goal guide the same way that I do my power sheets book. In fact, after we filled out the goal guide, it kind of, not right away, but eventually it got put in a drawer. So when we pulled it out, to look at our goals, right? And I know there are a lot of questions, which is like, you set these goals. How do you, how did you hold each other accountable to them? How did you touch base on them? How did you move them forward? So real quickly, our three goals had to do with improving our finances. And our short-term goal was like paying off a credit card, um, changing our eating habits and incorporating more exercise. And we had like a short, we each had a short challenge of like 30 day, like going to the gym and no eating out and, or doing something different. And then our third goal was increasing our intimacy. And when I say that, we said both physical and emotional, but we really said it really included being more present, having deeper conversations. And our short-term goal was disconnecting um, around each other. So those were were our three goals, right? And I will say that while we did a lot of this, I'm just going to be the first to own that the minute that this book got put away, it was like the goals got put away. And so I think it was Sandy, one of our friends asked, how did you guys hold yourself accountable 
to fulfilling these goals. And I know, and this is a real, I want to have this real conversation real quick. I came to you with this book, like on our, on our, like, I think it was our second month. Um, our first month we did meet and touch base. The second month I was like, hey, it's time for a monthly date to sit and talk about these. And you were like over it. You were like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I'm done with this. Do we have to talk about this? I don't really want to do it. And I was kind of like, but I want to. And you were like, no. And I was just like, fine, we won't. And then the book went in a drawer. So I'm kind of wondering what happened there for you where we had these goals and we were kind of good until about, you know, March, right? Because February was our first month. And then um, March 1st would have been our second. What happened there that you went from like, I just don't want to talk about these anymore? Uh, mostly, I'm just resistant to stuff, a lot of stuff like that. And it just didn't feel like a priority to me anymore. I didn't push you on it, right? Like, I, I mean, I didn't push you on it. And I think if I had, you would have said, yes, we need to keep having these monthly meetings, right? And I will say, though, I think in retrospect, looking at it, the these goals got deprioritized not just because we didn't care about goals as a couple, we kind of subconsciously set other goals as a couple through my business and through your company and through what was going on with your work that became more important. We just didn't have it formally kind of addressed. Would you agree? Yeah, I would actually. And that's part of it. I mean, it's like when we discussed about the fact that, you know, we could have already moved somewhere else more warmer mm -hmm. and closer to the beach. And we decided that, no, we are willing to change our priorities. And that's important to be able to flex and change. But that was more deliberate. This was more kind of a slow creep. And I think we let other things get in the way and let it happen there. And I'm pretty much okay with that because like you pointed out, I'm not very goal oriented. I'm very in the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, so for people who don't know what we're talking about, we had set a goal to move to Key West in 2020. We were going to move to Key West by 2020. And it was about Three, two years ago, three years ago that we were sitting on a beach and we realized we could move to Key West already. I think it was two years ago. We could move to Key West already. We had already reached our goal. I could have technically retired my husband and I definitely can like do that now and we could move him wherever. We could do this technically. But to become the people who could do that, a lot in our life had changed and we realized we didn't feel this excitement about moving to Key West anymore. It wasn't our number one priority anymore. Other things became more important as we grew into these new people. And we pivoted. It's okay to let go of your goals. It's okay. But I will say it's okay to do it as long as it's intentional. And I don't think what we did here was be intentional about pivoting away from our goals. I think we did it. And again, looking back, it was intentional. But going forward for 2020, when we set our 2020 goals, I would really like for us to be intentional to touch base on them so that if we pivot away from them, it's a choice, right? It's not something that just happened kind of in the background, but we chose to, or we at least acknowledge it. Like, so what do you think you can commit to, to help us do that? And I have to commit as well. I'm not saying this is only you, right? But I'm, what do you think you can commit to so that after we set our 2020 goals, like we do touch base on them. We do really look at them. We, we talk about them. What do you think will help us? Yeah, I've been giving that a little bit of thought and I mean, you could push me more, but I can push harder. Yeah, you can push harder. Um, I really think just as, as trite as it sounds, scheduling it. Mm -hmm. Just scheduling it. Okay, so that's what I'll do. I will schedule our touch base meetings, and I will I will not let you say no, right? I won't let you say no. Like, we, I will just follow you around the house with the little book reading to you and talking to you. Now, that being said, 
we actually did re reach like a lot of our three goals. So one of ours was to pay off a credit card and we did. We paid off a credit card. We just did not celebrate. I think we paid off two credit cards actually over the past year, but we did not celebrate. We said we were going to celebrate with a party for our friends. And the reason that we didn't was because then our dog had ACL surgery and we ended up incurring even more debt on another credit card for our dog. And I think we felt like that was like, oh, not really a celebration. But really, when I look back at it, it was. We had two credit cards. We paid off two credit cards. We, we actually closed out a lot of different things this past past year. So we did that. Um, I lost 40 pounds. So our second about, you know, changing our eating habits and, and exercise, I did not incorporate a lot of exercise, but I definitely changed habits and I dropped you know, 40, it was up to 50, um, which was a little quick. It's now at 40 that, you know, it's going down in a more sustainable kind of way, but it's still going down. How would you say that, that you did with that? Or what would you like to do differently in 2020? Or is that even a, a priority anymore for you? I mean, it's, it's not a super priority because as I keep finding out when I go in for my physical, I am reasonably healthy and things are reasonably well managed. Um, and I'm not, sufficiently upset by what's not to really push me into that. That said, um, I, I think I do want to incorporate a little more exercise just because I feel better when I do. And I don't necessarily mean physically, I mean mentally about myself Yeah. rather than sit on the couch and watch two hours of TV. I could go anytime, literally 24 hour gym across the street. It doesn't get much easier. And do something. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what I, what I'm going to do in this year. I don't care what I do when I'm there. It's I'm there. You just want to go. Doing yeah. And I, I agree, right? Like I lost the weight, not through exercise as much as a change in nutrition. But one thing I'm telling all my clients all the time is that physical exercise, physical movement, even if it's a 15 minute walk around the block, like that's important. And I think if I were to be more transparent about anything, it's that has gone away for me, right? Like the exercise, the movement piece has really gone away from me. And so I agree that that's probably a couple's goal of ours that we're going to keep for 2020 um, is incorporating movement. But like the short term goal will be just go, like carve it out, schedule it out and make sure that we that we go. I think that that's important. I think um, it was funny when I was going through our goal book, money was like our number one issue last. It was like not an issue, but it was just like our priorities. Like we thought if we improved our money, that would improve most every other area of our life. And I would say, check, check, check. Like we did that. We did that this year. And we've, we've gotten to kind of where we want to be. So I don't think that there really is necessarily a certain specific money goal other than right? Being intentional, I think being a little more intentional now that we've reached certain levels with our finances, with our, our money. I'm curious around your thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's not, we're not, I mean, I've been poor. We're definitely not there. Yeah, we're not right? close, close. To close. Yeah. But it does seem that sometimes we just, because of that, we don't, you know, we don't have to pay attention. We don't. And then sometimes so something will happen like when Martini hurt his leg yeah. and and we didn't have it we'll get through it. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't. We didn't have, have so it. I, I think definitely, yeah. definitely a little more intentional mindfulness on the money would be. A yeah, good I think thing. it's it's funny how you can be so focused and so and for all you entrepreneurs out there, you can be so focused and so intentional on money, right? Whenever you're like like stressed about it and wanting it, and then you get it and you're like, oh. I'm not get, like there it is and I'm just gonna love it and that's great 
But I think being intentional with money is important too. So I think that those are – so Chuck and I are going to firm up our three goals and because like I said, we haven't even talked about them. This is talking about them live with you guys. Um, and we're going to share those with you. But we just kind of want to show – we wanted to be honest that like, yes, we sat down. We had this book. We worked through a process. We had three really well-defined goals. And because we even defined them, I, I think this is an important thing to take away with goals, right? Like we wrote them down on paper and we defined them. And when it comes to each of the three, we did something with each one. We did pay off some debt. We did lose weight and get healthier. We did start disconnecting and having, as you can tell, like more important, serious conversations. And, and we did that. We might not have done it in the way we wanted and we weren't so intentional with it. But just the act of writing it down, of stating it out loud, of declaring it to other people, that can be enough to make a difference. You might not do everything that you want to do, but you can move the needle on it just from that. So even though we put away the book, even though we weren't as accountable, we still made a really big difference in in our goals. And I think it's important to to remember that all of you out there writing goals down who go, oh, well, see, it didn't work the way it did. So nothing happened. And I just or I'm, I've never they never work out. So I'm not going to write down any goals for 2020 literally the act of just putting pen to paper and writing them down and saying them out loud to someone else can be enough that you don't have to be intentional and focused on them. You will still have movement towards them. But we will share, but we kind of wanted to be like full disclosure that we really didn't give those the time and attention that we had had wanted to. And and so now we're stating. And yet we still made progress. We still made progress. But I think now, right, if we add the intentionality to it and scheduled monthly dates, like let's make it fun. Like let's go out somewhere fun. We'll go out to like a really nice place. We'll go out to dinner or drinks or whatever. We'll take the little goal book with us. We'll sit there. We'll talk about it. And we'll make it something we look forward to, right? I think that's the other thing people do with chores or with goals, they make it like a chore. Like, I have to sit down. I have to look at this. But it's like, it can be fun. It can be something that's fun. So I think that we'll we'll do that. Now, I know that this episode is, is running long. But again, there were so many questions. So I want to get to those too, which is – so I, one question that came up is, what is your biggest lesson um, since I've started becoming an entrepreneur? Your lesson in like life or or in your world or in whatever area of your life since I've you've become like the spouse of an entrepreneur? I mean, interestingly enough, it just the whole thing really fits in with my general perspective on life anyway. Um, you know, take care of the moment and you'll get through. And I I, I really think that your entrepreneurial, you know, streak and your business and everything have really just kind of cemented that for me to a degree. Yeah, but you can work out like if you decide you know me and cheesy phrases, right? But it's like if you ma- if you decide that to make it work and you work it till it works, it'll work, right? If you decide it'll work and you work it until it works, it'll work. Whatever it is, right? So you can do whatever, whatever it is. Um, but how? Another question that came up is how do you handle the stressful challenges that come with being an entrepreneur? Because sure, life rewards action. Life puts you where you want to be. You can work everything till it works. It works. We're working. We've grown every single year. That does not mean that we haven't had challenges, right? That doesn't mean that I haven't had my breakdowns behind the scenes crying, saying, this is all, let's burn it all down. Let's wrap this all up. It's all over, even when it's not even close to being over, right? Because that's the way that it works as an entrepreneur. So you see 
right? A lot of things, and I share this, but you see it in a different way than my audience hears about it, right? With all, how do you handle all the stressful challenges that come with our cash flow, with me, with like just my emotions, right? With my schedule, with whatever that comes your way from me being an entrepreneur. How do you handle those? Well, first off, I trust you. Okay. I make a conscious decision to trust you. I like that. I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. I, co- I co-sign on that. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I mean, that's, I guess that's it, right? Like, yeah, that, that's, that's really, really it. it. You just, that, tr- you just you choose know, that, to trust me. I know. And I, and I support, I choose to support you and help with whatever support I can provide. And, and let's be fair. You also go out with your guys. Like you're going out tonight. You're, they're sitting downstairs waiting for you, right? Like you're going, like we take time apart. We take time like for ourselves. We take time for our hobbies. We take time for, so when you're dealing with stress in general, it's no different, right? Like stress from an entrepreneur, stress in life, right? Like you have things that you do to just health in a healthy way, release your stress. You will go to the gym when you're feeling super stressful. You will run. You will do whatever it is that you need to do to let out some of that. So you actually have things in place for like feeling a little stressed, feeling a little anxious, or like maybe I need to get away from Rita right now, which is totally fine. Like she's freaking out and I can't be around her right now. Like we have things in place to allow for that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, friends and support structure is important too, because I can be like, all right, look, why don't you Go take a bath, relax, have some of your second-rate alcohol called bourbon, uh-huh. and um, you know, and relax. And I can be. Yeah, you can, and, and like, and that's yeah. okay. I don't like, I can, yeah. I, like Chuck is not Chuck is my partner, and in a way, he's a partner in my business, but he's not the business. He's not an employee, and I do not judge him or um, demand that he be my that he he's not my business coach. He I I get the support that I need as well. Like I have a business coach. I have uh, peers. I have support in other ways and other places to be able. So my husband is not the one that I'm going to for every piece of it. And I think that that's done a lot to maintain our marriage and our intimacy. And our. I think some couples like they do, they do kind of expect, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you helping me brainstorm my next program? Why aren't you telling me like what to do? Why aren't you giving me advice on how I do this? Right? Like, but your, your spouse is not, <laughs> is not your everything, not your career coach, not your personal trainer, not your um, business coach. Coach, not your business partner, right? And I think by setting that container and honoring those boundaries, we've um, we've really helped ourselves. So I know that, and you know this, because you hear this a lot, and it's unfortunate, right? But a lot of people are like, Rita, you're so lucky. You are so lucky that you have Chuck, right? You're so lucky. He is so supportive. He is so kind. He is so there for you. He, my spouse is not. My spouse is demanding that I go, like, that I go back. That he, they're saying this isn't a real job. They're giving me a hard time. They make me feel guilty anytime I have to even take an extra hour to work on my business, right? So in the vein of your new podcast, where you're just going to be doling out Chuck advice, right? Like Chuck advice without being an expert, right? Like where Dax Shepard is the expert, the armchair expert, you're like the non-expert cigar smoker or whatever. But like, what is it that you would advise? Let's start with entrepreneurs who are seeking support from their spouse. How might they make it easier for their spouse to support them, right? What might they be doing? Well, or how could they make it easier to first, get support? Yeah, for them, I would say it is very important to be realistic about the support you want from your spouse because you you just nailed it. I mean, I'm not your personal trainer. I'm not your business coach. I'm not your best girlfriend. I am absolutely the guy that will go to the store and get a pint of ice cream and, you know, make sure you have everything you need while you're, you know, 
wanting to throw your computer out the window. I am absolutely your on-site tech support. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, with, you know, to define this to set reasonable expectations about the support you're going to get from your spouse and, yeah. it, you know, get, let them provide the best support they can, but don't add, you know, try very hard. I'm not going to say don't, I, I try to avoid absolutes. There's only Sith deal in absolutes. Yeah, no, but that's no, where no. that. Oh, no, um, but right. yeah, I just like roll my eyes. Yeah, but that's where we. Um, that's where we actually click. Like we were, we weren't struggling, but definitely I was not clear because I hadn't sat down to get clear. Right, I hadn't sat down to get clear around the support that I needed from you. I just felt like I wasn't being supported at the beginning, and that I mean, you were obviously supporting the idea, but I mean, in the day to day, right? And it wasn't that you weren't. It's that you didn't know what I needed and you didn't know what to do. So of course, you're not a mind reader. How could you give it to me? So I was just like, oh my God, like, can't I, like, and that would cause our snaps and our bickering with like, I, I don't understand why this isn't done. Like, I can't, I just need help. Why am I doing this all by myself? Why am I doing everything? And it's like, you were like, what do I need to do? You haven't told me what I need to do. And that was fair. Right. And I sat down and when I started getting clear, it was like, it, it helped me. It was like, actually what I need is for you to cook the dinners for the next two weeks. Right. What I need is for you to walk the dog in the afternoon or like, once I've gone to bed, I can't wake up to walk the dog anymore, right? Because I get up early. It's like what I need is, and we, and so as we started having that conversation, you were like, well, tell me more, right? And we were able to have that. And when we got clear with each other about the support that we needed, I was like, I need you to be okay with me going away on a quarterly CEO retreat. And you're like, I need you to be okay with me going bowling with the guy. Like, and it was like, oh, well, that's easy, right? There we go. This is a, we started giving each other that support. And I think that that's normal, right? To not be super clear. But I think if you can get clear, I like, I like the way you worded that. Like it helps give your spouse the rule book for what they need to do to give you the right support, the support of a spouse, right? The support that they can give us as, as a spouse. But what would you say to the non-sub? Because we've met those people too right? The non-supportive spouse that is feeling like, oh, how could they want to spend all this time on work and not any time with me? If they can schedule in advance everything for their business, why aren't they, you know, like spending time, like, don't they love me? Isn't this like the priority of the marriage? Like, and, and they are like really straight. And they're like, I don't like that you spend money and invest in your business. Like, that's my, I don't understand. This is silly. This is just a hobby. Go back to corporate America. We need stability. We need, and I'm not saying any of those thoughts are necessarily bad thoughts. I think they are all understandable thoughts from someone who's faced with becoming suddenly like a, a entrepreneurial spouse. But like, what would you advise those people, the spouses of the entrepreneur that are struggling with supporting the entrepreneurship path? Um, I mean, ultimately suck it up and get over yourself because you signed on for this and more actually better and worse till death do us part, et cetera. I know that does not mean, you know, get rid of your spouse. Um, but ultimately that decision has to be made there. Are they genuinely unsupportive and bad partners in that whole idea? Or do they not understand? We talked about understanding a moment ago, so we're going to skip that. And to the ones, and honestly, I'm even going to assume that they're fundamentally decent people. They're just going to feel like they should be more of a priority. So first there would have to be, you know, if you feel these things from your spouse that they're not doing that, first of all, don't hide it. Tell your entrepreneurial spouse. It's like, look, I, I know th this is why I'm acting this way. This is how I feel. Again, that open and honest discussion. 
But also, I mean, it's your spouse's passion. You have to respect that. Don't I mean, and, and you, you kind of have to support that to a degree. Now, if there's truly just neglect and going on too, I don't want to say that just, you know, eat the bad stuff and don't say anything, but maybe try it, you know, fake supporting them for a week or two. See how it goes. Fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? Like, like, exactly. You can, like by changing your perspective saying, I support this. It's amazing what you see to help support it. But I think the c- communication piece is important. I think it's okay to get support. I think it's okay to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you sit in on one of my business coaching sessions? Or like, hey, why don't you, you and I go to therapy? I think therapy's fine, right? Like, hey, why don't you and I like, I, like go to this communication class? If there are things that are stressed because of the change in dynamic, like, Definitely, like, seek seek outside. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it's, like, a weakness or that anyone has has failed. But I think just give it a, a try. It's scary. But I think it's also the entrepreneur needs to understand that it can be scary for the non-entrepreneur who's losing a steady salary, you know, who's losing um, what they thought that they had. And I think acknowledging that and respecting that. And I think it's just that communication, listening and acknowledging and talking and keeping them looped in and showing them. And one thing I tell people, right, is like, if you're only showing your spouse the freakouts, oh my God, everything's so bad. Oh my God, we're not going to have any money. Oh my God, nobody said yes to working with me again. And this other person is growing their business so quickly. And why am I not growing my business so quickly? And all of this stuff, right? Then what happens is that's all they see, right? So you have to show them the good stuff as well. You have to show them the good stuff as well. Um, okay. So to, like, we're, there's so many questions. Guys, I'm gonna have to have check back on because there are just so many questions. People asked about our bucket list items and people asked about like, but let's real quickly just to wrap up, like what area do you think needs the most change for us in 2020? Hmm. You know, I feel like we're doing pretty well. Um, I, I think maybe just a little more mindfulness. Yeah, I think just intentionality in like all the things, right? Intentionality in our time together, intentionality in how we're spending money, intentionality in, in like the trips that we take, like just being a little more intentional. So like sitting and kind of like pausing. Both, of, I think both of us need to pause before we just kind of like take some actions in 2020. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, right. We've been a little, I guess, reactive. Maybe we can be a little more intentional. And I think intentional might be our word for 2020. Intentional. Yeah. I don't think it's been reactive. I think it's more like we just felt like, oh, we're here. We're secure. We've got, and so we just stopped paying attention to some stuff, just taking it for granted that things were going to, you know, be there. And, and that, so I think it's just, like you said, we stopped paying attention to a little bit of it. I think we just need to focus and pay attention. Now, what matters to you? What matters most to you about us in 2020 as a couple? Um, that we stay together. Well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> right, I love you. I love you. I want to stay with you. Right. So I guess just like more, just more of the being quality time. Right. I think that's always right. a thing. Right. Yeah. More quality. I mean, what matters mostly most to me about us as a couple is us. us. Yeah, but I think us is like we need to. We both get into the day-to-day distracted. We both carry work into our evenings. We both have technology in front of us. We both, and we can instance be better, but I think we could be a little more, and again, intentional, right? Or about our time together. Um, what's a personal goal for you in 2020? Hmm. I haven't really put much on to that. I mean, as we've talked about, I'm not really goal oriented. Well, you know, last so year, wh- your goal was to be less grumpy. That's what you put down. 
Yeah, I know. I absolutely failed at that one. Like you so really failed at that one. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to go there yet. Um, maybe next time I'll answer, you know, maybe that next time I'll answer that okay. one. So what we're going to do, guys, is in the group and, and on my personal page, we will share our three goals. We will share our, our two separate personal goals and how we're going to hold each other um, and give support, hold each other accountable and give support for those. We just, like we said, this is our first time that we've had the conversation on it. Um, and so we're going to share in a different post with you. Um, everything that we're going to do um, about that. So is there anything, Chuck, and I'm I'm just kind of like, is there anything? Oh, what would you say to people? Because the interest in this was like, oh, my God, how do you get Chuck to do this? Like, how do you get Chuck to sit down, set goals, have this conversation, get on a Facebook Live with you, be interviewed in your podcast? Like, how can I get my spouse to do this? What would you say? Ask them. Talk to them. Um. You, but you are resistant to goals. You are resistant to attention. Yes. You are, so how, how is it that you did come to be here today? Cause it's important to you. And I like the, and I, you know, things that are important to you need to be important to me and they are. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. Right. Like I think that that's, but is there a way that someone could make it feel less scary or less threatening to sit down and talk about goals? Um, I mean, set expectations and, Wow. So much comes back to that, but setting expectations about it, you know, yes, we're going to talk about this, but it's okay if we don't meet every goal or even any of them, the, you know, it's all about, you know, did we make any progress? Yes. Because we sat down and set them. That's progress. And I think it's important to dream together as a couple. I think it's important. I think it's important to, um, again, for so many reasons, I think when you feel like a partnership in every area of your life, health, wellness, finances, et cetera, it makes a lot of the communication and a lot of the other pieces fall into place. So Chuck, I want to say thank you so much. I love you. Thank you for being on this podcast. I know you resist this. I know you don't love it. And I know you've got your friends waiting downstairs to go bowling and we've run over. So why don't you go ahead? You Is there anything else you want to say to my audience or anything you want to leave them with? Um, no, I think I've dropped some pretty great bond knowledge on them there. You know, a few knowledge truth bombs here and there. But uh, That's it. see- I'm going to say something. If this were my podcast, which is a little less nice and polite, Mm -hmm. the question about what would I say to the entrepreneurs or the spouses that aren't supporting their entrepreneurial spouses, Uh you're a flipping idiot Uh because when your entrepreneurial spouse is on their game, doing their job, they're doing what they love. They're engaging in their passion and that's only going to increase their passion for life. And if you don't want that, there's something very wrong with you. And there we go, guys. That's my husband. All right. You go run. You go see your friends. I love you. And everyone, like, listen for Chuck's podcast to come out. I hope you found this helpful. I know it's very personal between me and Chuck. People love hearing us talk about how we set goals, um, our goals, our status on them. And I wanted to bring some more of the information around Chuck, Chuck's reaction, how people can get support from their entrepreneurs and all of these pieces. If you have any questions, if there's anything we didn't cover, if there's anything you still want to know, please email us at the Rita Made Me Do It show at feedback at RitaMamedoIt.com. And I will catch you next week on another episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. 
So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamamedoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.